All right, welcome everybody to the Home Away From Home podcast. It's uh, brought to you by MyKey. All right, today we have Hiram Buckman and Phil Langley, and they're going to talk about fulfillment and all of the ins and outs regarding the initial setup and fulfillment of contracts with uh, clients uh, after a loss. So sit back and enjoy, guys. It's a great podcast. All right, welcome to WP Radio. I'd like to welcome Hiram Buckman, who's the fulfillment manager, and obviously Phil Langley to the show today. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. Thank you, Terry. Yeah, so um, just before we get going, Hiram, you said you've uh, had quite the uh, the travel. So uh, I know a lot about Phil. Why don't we get people to know a little bit about you? So tell me about uh, where you've been and what you've done. Great. Thank you so much, Terry. I'm originally from South Africa, where I got a hotel management degree, uh, moved to Las Vegas, uh, spent five years of my younger years there and had a lot of fun in Las Vegas, uh, then moved to Canada lived in uh, Vancouver, BC, and last 10 years in the nation's capital. Excellent. So uh, so you've traveled around a bit. Yes, definitely. Uh, you know, having worked in hotels for over 20 years, it, it definitely gives you that uh, that easy lifestyle of, of having, uh, you know, staying where you want to be and always having an opportunity to, to enjoy your job. Well, this is the perfect segue into Mikey, I guess, then, right? Definitely. Excellent. So I understand you're the fulfillment manager. What does that actually entail? What does that mean? Uh, Terry, we have uh, over 13 different account managers currently uh, working across the country and in Canada and in the US. And and I'm basically just responsible for the account managers just to make sure that they're well supported, uh, the adjusters are well looked after, and uh, uh, you know, there's everything is done in a in a timely manner, and, and there's enough support, and, and and the team is well looked after. Now, when you say account managers, are those people that actually deal with the adjusters on the front line, or are they dealing with the customers, or are they dealing with both? Uh, Terry, that great question. They actually deal with both. So, just to make sure that uh, there's this open line of communication, uh, you know, between us, the adjusters, and the insured, uh, every claim manager deals with both directly. Now, do you deal with a certain territory or do you have basically east to west, north to south? How does that all work out for you guys? We definitely do try our best to do it territory-wise, um, you know, because of the different time zones that we have, um, you know, across, across you know, Canada and the U.S. So we definitely try time zone-wise, but um, uh, everybody is trained, you know, to handle specific markets and 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 every every a type of insurance booking that we get uh, get given. So we, we generally just, you know, hand out the claims depending on the workload. So as a fulfillment manager, do you see the claims as they come in and kind of try and sort out where it should go, who it should go to, or how does it work on your end then? Definitely, uh, Terry. So I get all the claims and, and one of my responsibilities is to assign them to, to the different claim managers. Um, you know, look at the areas, look at the language we have. Uh, numerous of our account managers that are bilingual and trilingual so you know if it's a French speaking uh, uh, area and then and, and we can see that the you know the insurance the insured is French speaking we we'll definitely give it to one of our bilingual uh, account managers and, and in that area so you know they're well suited to the area um, so I, I get to see every single one and, and make sure that uh, the client the claim managers are responsible for for looking after the guests. So how many fulfillment managers are there? Um, or is it just you taking care of the entire 
setup? So I'm the only uh, fulfillment manager. We do have uh, a, a lead manager, you know, a, a current US lead and a Canadian lead as well that do support me, um, as well as El Crane, who's our vice president. So um, it's myself, the only manager of fulfillment. And then we have Christy, who's our US lead, and Marcel, who is our Canadian lead. So you're a busy guy. They keep me busy. Yeah, I, I bet. Love it. I love it. Yeah, I bet. So um, as part of fulfillment manager, what are your duties beyond dealing with the actual adjuster or the claim um, information? Do, is there stuff that you do in the back end that, you know? Definitely, definitely. You know, the main thing that I, that I, I do want to do is, is I still become very, I still am involved within the claims. Um, it's important for me to really understand what is happening. Uh, my key is also technology company and and we're always looking at improving what we do and how we do it. So, um, you know, I need to know what we're doing and, and you know, the different challenges and the different successes that we're having. So number one is I do look after claims and I, and I deal with, you know, the adjusters and insured. Um, but just making sure, you know, everybody is has got all the support that they need when we're trying to make sure that, uh, you know, we find housing as, as quickly as possible um, and as reasonably priced as possible. Uh, you know, at, at, a, at a you know that meet our standards as quickly as possible. So, so what do you do in overnight situations? So, say there's a fire at two in the morning. Does it come into you directly, or does it go into somebody else, or how does that work? Uh, no. So we do. We are twenty four seven. So we always do have an account manager that uh, that is working overnight and, and and making sure that you know all the calls are answered and and housing and hotels are found as quickly as possible. Um, so overnight, um, I'm not involved in the claim management, you know, it's looking at the different claims that come in, but definitely, you know, in the morning, I'll make sure that uh, the person, you know, the calls that we've got overnight are well, look, well looked after and, and, and continue to, to look after them, you know, when, when uh, you know, that person might be not working, that the account manager might not be working. So what about uh, the situations with pets and stuff like that? Because I know there's, I mean... With everybody being home these days with, you know, COVID and everything else that's going on, I mean, you guys must get some really unusual requests, right, or additional requests that probably weren't there before 2020 in the pandemic? That's correct. And, and you know, pets is definitely the big one. Um, who doesn't have a pet now? Um, I know that we've got a little Daisy, our little COVID dog as well, and, and everybody else has, and, you know, I think 80% of their account managers do. So we're very accustomed to just listening exactly to what the needs are um you know the policy holders we we understand and and then we can work around it uh you know if, you know if it is uh you know somebody with a pet and you know and uh you know there's not much available in the area we can always go out of our way to find you know housing for the pet and then you know separate housing for the for the policy and and, and then and pay for both and, and just make it as easy as possible so um, you know, whatever it needs, you know, we've had uh, fires where, you know, we've had families lose their entire home. Um, they have four or five dogs. And, you know, to get four or five dogs in one home is, is nowadays very common. And, uh, you know, we'll go out of our way and, and even maybe get a travel trailer on their home so the pets can enjoy you know, the acre and a half piece of land that they normally run around on and, and their fenced in area. And, and the family can be close to the schools and and see you know what needs to be done at their home. So we adjust and just make listen to the needs 
which is the most important part, listen to the needs and then uh, react to that. So that's interesting. I hadn't heard that before. So you'll actually bring a trailer to the property if you can't get them accommodations that are suitable outside of the area. That's correct. You know, we always do need to look at the uh, the rules and the regulations of the different states or the cities that, that everybody lives in. But if a trailer sure. is possible and it works out well, especially in certain areas where, you know, there's not many houses available, uh, you know, a, a travel trailer is, is a great option. We do have suppliers that we work very closely with. And a lot of a lot of our policyholders actually do like that option. But, you know, it's, we listen and, and, and we just see what they need and, and, and then we can help uh, help get what best will suit their lifestyle and, and the next year or six months when they will be out of home. Yeah, that sounds like a great option for, especially for a long-term rental. You're going to be out of your house for a year while they're doing a rebuild or whatever it is, or material shortages, like we all know those have happened. Uh, that sounds like a great option. I didn't even think of that as being an option. So that's uh, that's a new one for me. That's great. And, you know, Terry, and we can even organize travel trailers for, you know, different response teams. You know, but it's a huge catastrophe that we're looking after, uh, you know, if different insurance companies need a, a base within a, you know, within an area that, because they are going to be there for a long time. And, you know, we can organize those travel trailers for anyone, uh, you know, whatever is needed for the, you know, for the, the, for the, know, the or for the or, or for the families. Oh, so I didn't, I didn't even think about that either. So you can actually arrange stuff for cat teams that are coming definitely. to a location. Definitely, definitely. Uh, okay. Well, folks, uh, just hear it here. Uh, we want first dibs on all cat trailers, I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that's amazing. That's uh, that's something, I, again, I mean, it, every time I speak to you guys, I find something new and interesting that you guys are doing that's innovative, that kind of just takes it to the next step. So. That doesn't surprise me, but uh, it does at the same time, if you know what I mean. So, uh, Herm, uh, you know, as part of your fulfillment manager and your adjust, you're, you're dealing, I guess you're calling them claims managers or claims associates. What do you what do you refer to your staff as? Different claims, claim managers. Claims managers. So um, are they empowered to make decisions on the spot to like, I mean, to, to do things like pretty quickly you know if they need to make a decision for an overnight stay like a one-off like quickly so people are getting dealt with pretty quickly or is there like a lot of process driven behind it or or, or what happens there terry our priority is to make sure that you know the policy holder the family is well looked after uh, we work so closely with insurance companies and, and we know exactly you know if we the parameters and the borders we have um, so, you know, our number one priority, especially if it is overnight, you know, it could be a fire. Uh, just two nights ago, we we had a call 3 a.m. from Edmonton and it was a family, lo family lost their home. They actually lost three cats in the fire and managed to get the family out and the dog. But unfortunately, they lost their three cats. And, you know, I know that Teller managed to get them into a hotel right away uh, without having to, you know, speak to an adjuster or get approval. Um, you know, it is our responsibility to just to make sure that they're well looked after, you know, nothing to worry about. All that they do is they basically arrive at the hotel, provide their credit card for the guarantee to guarantee the incidentals. And, and they'll be in a room, uh, in a hotel room uh, within moments uh, to speaking with us. So we have wonderful technology that, you know, being a technology company, you know, making a hotel reservation can can take us 
90, 90 seconds to not more than, more than that. So once we speak to the policyholder, you know, find out what they need, we can get them into a hotel right away. Yeah, Terry, you know, I, this is, well, I'd like to just ch chime in real quick about that empowerment because it it's something that we're trying to exercise more and more on the, to the behalf, uh, to the benefit of the policyholder. In fact, I was talking to a large carrier just this morning about that very empowerment. You know, we were talking about an example where their, their policyholder also had a fire and they literally didn't have any of their credit card information or anything. And, you know, our account manager just took it upon herself to go ahead and make sure that they got booked into something safe and sound, not even knowing if the, uh, if the incidentals were going to be covered initially. But you know what, we can figure that out on the back end because nothing's more precious than taking care of that policyholder. So Hiram and, and his, his leadership and the whole team is given that empowerment. And if we maybe err on the side of being too lenient, we'll back that up financially on the back end to make our clients whole. Look, we work for the insurance companies, but their policyholders are gold. And you know, it's not an open checkbook, but if we extend an olive branch a little too far, that's our responsibility and we'll take care of it. Yeah, and I get that, Phil, especially on an overnight claim. It's it's all well and good to say between eight and five or you know, seven and six. But once you get into the overnight hours and you're dealing with independent adjusters, you probably don't have access to, you know, all the claims files or notes or policy coverages. You're taking it, you know, you're kind of stepping out. And I love that about you guys, that you actually guys do that. That I mean, overnight claims, you're not waiting till the morning to get these people a hotel room when, you know, the regular office opens up, you take care of it minute one. Yeah, it's really important. And, and giving that empowerment to Hiram and all of his team members is, is key to that because we don't want them to have to take five minutes or five hours to get an approval for something that we just trust that they can exercise good judgment. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, someone calling and they've just lost everything, right? I, I mean, it, you're right. They may not even have their credit cards on them. They may have been burned up in their, in the fire as well. So it's just, uh, it's really interesting that you guys the way you guys go about the process really intrigues me. I, I, I love hearing about it. So uh, Hiram, um, let's talk about uh, some interesting claims you've handled. You talked about the one with the, you know, in Edmonton there, is there, is there any other unique losses that, you know, stand out for you or your team that you can kind of say kudos to your team about? Uh, you know, we've got hundreds, <laughs> but we get, we get so many, we, you know, the most recent one, Definitely is, you know, the Colorado fires, uh, the catastrophe that happened in Colorado uh, that we helped out. Uh, um, you know, a lot of them came in on the Sunday and, and you know, trying to find homes for a catastrophe is, is never easy. But just, you know, our team is so good at showing that empathy and the understanding and, and the importance of, you know, first getting them into a hotel as quickly as possible, policyholders, and then finding, you know, those homes and, you know, we do know that the homes are going to take a while to get built. They don't just get put up within six months. So, the, you know, definitely the Colorado fire um, in Barrie when the big tornado that went through Barrie. Melissa, one of our account managers, we were actually having a meeting and she said, I might have to go into my basement. You know, I'm getting told that, you know, it's, it's not safe to be above ground. And she took a computer down with her and she knew all the hotels in the area. And, you know, we had we're holding rooms and we were well prepared and you know we have a, a catastrophe plan that we go through and have options already and lined up for the team that you know we can get people into hotels and then into homes as quickly as possible so uh you know just 
you know, those are just two of the examples that I, I can think of that, you know, it's that come to mind that we've really gone out of our way to, but every claim is special. Every claim we've had families, somebody lost a son in a fire and, you know, oh, just what a, what a conversation and, and, and how difficult, you know, that is. And, and, you know, and she was in hospital and, you know, we're talking to her daughter and trying to find her a long-term home and, um, you know, each, each claim is just so special and, and, you know, our team is just wonderful at just showing that empathy and that understanding and going that mile to make sure that everyone's well looked after. Yeah, that yeah, sounds like. Oh, I'm so so sorry. I was going to say, yeah, if you don't mind, why we are a technology company, technology still can't provide the empathy for a situation like that, right? It's just it's just not possible today, maybe ever, and that goes a long way, right? And I and I think that uh, you know Hiram also brought up the catastrophe program the most underrated aspect of our catastrophe program is the fact that where there's a catastrophe, we may already have policyholders in properties in the impacted areas. So we have the dual responsibility of finding new properties for new claims, but also making sure that anybody we've placed in those areas is safe and sound. And if not, we have to find locations for them as well. And th that always seems to just get forgotten in the process, but our duty of care responsibility is, is absolute. You know, once we put somebody in, we don't walk away. We're, we're responsible for that family until they move out. So, Phil, is there, and in, in either one, Phil or Hiram, either one of you can answer, has there ever been a situation where you guys actually have to be boots on the ground, like the loss is that big, that there's some control issues? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we've shared, maybe we haven't before, but, I mean, we really cut our teeth as a company uh, with the Fort McMurray fires. I mean, I personally spent weeks up there. Uh, because you just have to coordinate moving resources. Uh, what is available on a computer might be four hours delayed from what's really available, right? And so um, there are situations where we have to put some boots on the ground uh, for something large scale like that. Uh, but the reality is we, uh, we have built our supply chain as strong as we can so that you don't have to put a lot of boots on the ground because look, look at Fort McMurray, you know, that's not even a large uh, city for that matter. But no one end to the other, you know, you're talking about 20 kilometers. If I'm one place, I'm 19 kilometers from another place. That's really not local, you know? And so we support our team with uh, additional on-phone resource and access to supply. But um, there's there's been situations where we do have to put uh, boots on the ground. There is one downside to putting people on the ground, which I think should be emphasized to the industry. Every time a supplier of services like us or other companies puts boots on the ground in an area, we better be demonstrating an ROI to our clients that far exceeds what we could do for one of their policyholders. Because I took a room in Fort McMurray. I better have made sure that I had two other people that I found rooms for because I was taking up space. Yeah, I get that. But I mean, at the same time, if you're providing, you know, 500 rooms and you need to be there in person to secure them or make sure it happens or whatever. I get that at the same time, you know, but uh, man, it's just the fact that you were there and, you know, you guys are able to do that. The technology piece I get as well, but I mean, with Fort McMurray, it was such a weird, you know, fire and how, you know, it affected one part of the town and not others. And just, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's like tornadoes. They go up one side of the street and it totally affects it. And then the other side, you know, it's like nothing ever happened other than your neighbor's car is upside down on your lawn, you know? Yeah, I actually yeah. stayed at the tar sands camp up there 
we rented out uh, several hundred of the uh, dormitory rooms at one of the facilities up there <laughs> because there's the paucity of housing. Um, it was yeah. really, really interesting. So let's let's talk about, you know, when we talk about all the fulfillment stuff that comes in, um, Hiram, do you see it from beginning to end or would you hand it off to your managers and then your managers do it and you see it on a, or are you constantly going back and making sure everything's taken care of or how is that done? Or is it, is it automated really at that point? Um, you know, Terry, so how we, you know, I forgot to actually mention, um, what we also do is we have divided up our team up into different groups. We call them pods and each pod has another leader and, you know, they sit down almost every two or three days and, and also go through the claims and, and help find options for each other if, if they're struggling. So, you know, once I do get the claim, I hand it over to the different account managers who will then look after the claims. Um, and then together with their pod, which is a little team, uh, you know, everybody will then source and send out options to the different policyholders. Um, you know, I will check in to make sure the claims are being turned around in a timely manner. Uh, you know, we do not want to keep uh, anybody in a hotel for too long. We want to get them into something which is comfortable and more more like a feeling like home. And um, But, you know, our, our account managers do know the parameters and, you know, they're empowered to, to make those decisions. And, and, you know, I'll be checking in to just make sure that, you know, we are getting everybody into the long-term housing as quickly as possible. And, and everybody is, you know, followed up in a in a timely manner. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying about getting out of a hotel. Because I remember when I first started traveling for work, I thought this is great. I'm going to be in a hotel a couple of days a week, every month. And then by the third month, you're like, this is terrible. Can I not just get to my own bed back where you know it's comfortable and it's you, you know it becomes like your own? Because you know being in a hotel is cool for the first few times, but after that, you're like, oh, this is terrible. Well, you are so right. And you know, the policyholders, most policyholders feel the exact same way. Full oh, yeah. disclosure though, there's a tiny fraction of policyholders out there, generally folks kind of my age, empty nesters, that sort of like the idea of having their bed made and a fresh breakfast every day. Yeah, but, yeah. But they're the minority, right? Uh, there's always a few of those. They're the hardest ones to get out of the hotel <laughs> long term. And we have to share with them that the ALE limit may not last that long. Well, um, well, that's the other thing. Are you guys set up? So when you guys set up and uh, you must have some type of calculator that's working in the background, that's literally watching the ALE, right? Mm -hmm. That's now, correct. You know, the technology, sorry, uh, Terry, the, te the technology that we've been given is, is just so phenomenal that, you know, it's so easy to see exactly what, you know, what the limit is and, and how, close we are to that and um you know and that's why our conversations constantly are going together you know making sure that the adjusters are aware and, and they're actually being highlighted when they get to certain percentages of that of that ALE allowance so um our technology really helps it make break everything down so easily for the for the account managers well that's good because I'm sure adjusters must be concerned about that too especially on large losses when they're going to be out for a period of an extended period of time and then got you know only so much ALE they can to expend to the policy I know some of the single limit policies allows to move coverages around but I mean that's not all policies that have that you know that benefit I guess right when ALE is done it's done yeah you're completely right, right. And you know from your experience 
even the most well-handled claim can get a little sidetracked or worse if they run out of ALE and they're still not back in their home. All of a oh, sudden, yeah. all of a sudden, everybody's the bad guy, right? And you know, we try our very best to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, Hiram, uh, confirm, I think we set the limit at roughly 80% of the ALE limit to give ourselves some, some room and some fluff. There might be some other expenses that we're not privy to, but we, we generally set that type of limit. Correct, 80%. So I do have to ask one question. What if somebody damages something in one of the properties they're staying in? How does that work? Does that go back to the policy? I've never even thought about that. But then I was thinking, hey, uh, you know, that does happen. Like people do have accidents, right? Because they had the fire. What if they have an accident in the rental property? What happens there? So that's a real interesting one, right? And I, <laughs> I, I sort of chuckle because every carrier is a little different, without a doubt. Yeah. And uh, we are finding more and more that the coverage doesn't extend in most cases. Uh, a policyholder has to get a separate policy for that property. So look, the security deposit, whether it's advanced out of contents or it comes straight out of the policyholder's pocket, generally covers you know, modest damage, right? But if you have a lot of damage, uh, that's going to fall in most cases on the policyholder. So what we've actually done is we've contracted with an independent third party to be able to offer um, excess insurance to cover uh, damages to the property at a very nominal cost. It's about a dollar 50-ish a day, depending on the property, uh, wow. which is a great peace of mind because, look, you're right, accidents do happen. But for about $45 a month, you give or take, uh, they can, <laughs> I don't want them to hear this, I guess, but they can trash the place unintentionally and it's covered. Now I say unintentionally because if it's proven to be intentional, yeah, yeah. that's grounds for dismissal. But I, we had to do that because uh, too often the policyholder was caught between some accidental damages that exceeded their security deposit and they thought they were covered under their um, homeowner's policy and they weren't. Yeah. And I think that's a good piece. Of, if nothing else, this is the best piece of information today that we're going to talk about is actually that they that should be talked about by adjusters and to the clients when they have their claim. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's more and more awareness towards that uh, today. You're you're 100 correct. It's a training issue, and it's a training issue all across the industry, right? Yeah, and uh, and, and look, properties are getting more and more expensive. It doesn't usually happen in a hotel, right? And hotels are aware of of damages, but uh, independent in. Should say independent properties or private properties that are out for rental now, they don't have that experience either with that. So, um, so that, that's where we put this in place. So your case is like an Airbnb. How does that, um, so they still, the property owner would have their own building damage, but any internal contents, I would assume, and maybe this is a conversation for another podcast, uh, but I'm assuming that would just be their physical building, but any of the contents would be covered under their, the client or the, you know, the insured who's staying under their incidental policy. Yeah. In, in, on average, usually the Airbnb, um, they have those policies that they provide for their hosts. Yeah. For damages. And what we're finding, and I'm no expert in this area, but sometimes there's a difference between a commercial booking and an independent vacation or booking and an insurance claim maybe uh -huh. commercial booking. Um, yeah. If, you know, if you drive Uber, does your car insurance cover an accident or not? Right. Um, 
similar thing. So again, we're trying to put both technology and process in place to mitigate any potential damages. The last thing we want to be doing is having a policyholder paying out of their pocket or damaging a property and we lose that relationship with that property owner. There, there's tools and there's processes to mitigate these situations as best we can. That's not to say occasionally some of these bubble up, but I would say our experience in the last 18 months really implementing this program is we've had, I can probably count on one hand, how many we've had that have exceeded any standards of that uh, excess coverage. So let's talk about um, when we when we talk about fulfillment and everything here, uh, Phil and Hiram, um, what would be some top, top five things you could talk to or tell our adjusters today that they could do when they're you know, processing a claim first off the bat with the insured to make sure fulfillment goes as smoothly as possible. Hi, you know, we're right on the front lines of that. I think. Um, you know, I think definitely the most important is, and you know, is just to try and get as much accurate information as possible. Um, definitely, you know, when a adjuster is speaking to to a policyholder, you know, normally it, it's just. It's so upsetting to them and, you know, and to have to repeat the information again to us, uh, you know, we always do have, you know, as soon as we receive the claim from, from the adjusters within 10, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, we will be, be on the phone speaking to the policyholders. So, you know, just having as accurate information as possible is just so important because that will just help us, um, you know, get the family into a long-term home as, as quickly as possible. I would so, add one other thing, Terry, is, and it, this is, we bring this up with our clients all the time. If we could work with our clients and collaborate on how, when they experience a claim, the adjuster could uh, thoroughly articulate what the ALE coverage is and isn't. Um, I think a lot of policyholders buy policies and the ALEs included, they really don't even know what it is. Most of the times they're pleasantly surprised that they have coverage, but sometimes they think it covers more than it does. And you know we we're not an adjusting company; we're a fulfillment company. So it, it is helpful when the policyholder understands their policy benefits. Um, we're happy to share that feedback back with the adjusters for for um, an update on that. But that would be one thing that I think collectively all the partners in the industry could probably help each other better explain to a policyholder what their policy actually does for them. Yeah, maybe even in plain English, yeah. not yeah, in legalese, right? <laughs> I mean, because that's half the battle, right? Is, you know, it's written in such encrypted language that, uh, you know, it takes, it actually takes a pretty skilled person to sometimes read and understand the policy because it refers you to this section and that section. And there's inclusions and then exclusions. And then it depends if it's weather related or, I mean, uh, policies are really sometimes pretty tough to read. So I, I agree. I think if there was something that, an adjuster could literally send out to an insured after they've had a loss that says, here's your ALE coverages. This is what's going to happen. Here's your contacts at my key. These guys are going to take care of you. Here's your coverage totals. And this is where you go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the most interesting one, I think right now, most common, even though thankfully we're hopefully coming out of this pandemic here is that so many people are working from home and they'll say, well, you know, I need to have a home office. Well, your policy doesn't really cover your your work environment at home, right? It covers you for you know, a like kind with comparable bedrooms, but we can't always guarantee a quiet room for you to do your Zoom calls uh, at work because that's not part of your 
coverage, right? And so that's been a that's been an in interesting area in the last two years, is that a lot of lot of losses are asking for additional space because oh, I got to work from home. For which our quick answer is, well, you're already working from home and you don't have that additional space. Um, but again, you know, we're we're not in the adjusting business; we're in the fulfillment business. Yeah, and we relay that feedback back to the adjuster. And I, and I laugh because people, I don't have young kids, as you know, but I mean, I've been on Zoom calls where I've seen kids just running through the background of videos. So if they want to talk about quiet space, they're lying. Right. I mean, I've seen people jumping on beds behind them and all sorts of crap, and cats and dogs and animals just zipping around. So, I mean, there is no such thing as a quiet space working from home for the most part, right? Yeah. Hey, look, we'll do Unless, our absolute best to help them out as long sure. as it's within the policy limits and it's approved by the adjuster. We're happy happy to go that extra step but 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 we definitely the last two years we've been asked that more than ever oh yeah yeah i and i can see that i guess with covid but i mean things are getting back to normal now people are going back into the office i'm going back into the office a couple of days a week myself so i mean that that's all changing and i think that's going to change even more as we you know we kind of push through the rest of the pandemic and move beyond it so i think everything Hopefully on that kind, we'll go back to, you know, maybe a new normal, a different normal. I don't know what to call it, but it, hopefully we won't all be working from our houses and we'll actually be out meeting people and seeing people again. Right. So your lips, the guy's anyway, ears, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, I, I've learned a lot again about, you know, more about my key again in this, you know, putting trailers and properties and all those kind of things. I mean, every time I speak with you guys, it's great. Um, Thanks for your time again, Hiram. Nice meeting you. And uh, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job with Mikey. And I'm glad you're there because uh, you're helping our insureds and everybody else's insureds. So I, I, I thank you for that. And Phil, it's wonderful as usual. And uh, until next time, guys, thank you very much. Harry, thank you so much. Have a great day. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, some great information from Hiram and from Phil, as usual. Check back in. We're going to be back in about another week or two with some more content, uh, some great stuff coming up with uh, Home Away From Home and MyKey. Thanks, guys, and until next time, stay safe. <laughs>